0: Greetings, one and all. My name is Vikram, this is Jack, we are Soccer Kakis. and as usual, we have a number of things to talk about today. Jack, what are answer?
1: Well, it's going to be a very European-centered episode this time. You'll have to listen to a little bit more of me talking this That's time, right. but uh, we'll be talking about the European Championships and previewing the round of 16. We will be talking about a very recent... A uh, rule change for the Champions League and Europa League going into next season. Before finishing out the shows, talking about uh, all the latest rumors about who will be or not man- or not be managing certain teams next year, and who will be playing for or not playing for certain teams next year.
0: Cool. So, I guess to start things off, let's talk about you know the Euro because lots of things have happened since our last episode
1: it it was was it yes yeah it was yesterday that group f mm-hmm. finished up what a day what a day that was! what an <laughs> incredible amount of twists and turns of fortune so um yeah a lot of things happened we have our round of 16 congratulations to belgium portugal italy austria france switzerland Croatia, Spain, Sweden, Ukraine, England, Germany, the Netherlands, the Czech Republic, Wales, and Denmark. Very happy about Denmark advancing for advancing to the round of 16 in the Euros. Unfortunate luck for everyone else. Not especially for Hungary. I was laughing when they went out. But... is one heck of a final day I think there's been a lot of rightful criticism on the structure of the Euros and the whole best third place team moving on thing but it did give us quite a bit of drama on the final day
0: that's true that's true I mean a lot of uh, uh, I mean there there was there's a lot of doubts as to whether you know Portugal might go through and whatnot but hey they managed to draw with France uh there was, we like, were,
1: a 30-minute period of time where everyone thought Germany was going to finish last in the group.
0: Yeah. No, exactly. And, you know, it's, 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 it was an exciting last day, that's for sure. You know, that, that's definitely for sure. Um, but, I mean, before we get to this, uh, I'm just going to say this, but I am looking forward to the knockout stages, especially, uh, you know, seeing Belgium take on Portugal, England take on Germany. You know, there's some mouth-watering club during during the sixteen, so...
1: I, I let's stick with the round let's stick with the round of 16s and the bracket and talk about it. I really don't know how England did it again they've somehow finessed their <laughs> way again onto the easier bracket I don't know how they keep doing this they did it in Russia and, and they've done it here
0: so for those
1: who, yeah for real for those who don't have sort of like a picture in your mind of how this works the, there's obviously two sides to the bracket. There are eight teams on each side. On one side of the bracket, you have Belgium, Portugal, Italy, Belgium, Portugal, Italy, France, and Spain. We're all on the same side of the bracket, and Croatia. On the other side of the bracket, which England are on, there with um, Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, and that's about it when it comes to tough teams. The path yeah. to the semi has never been clear for England. At least.
0: Well, I mean, so I guess that we being can. Say... Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say that we can say that they do face a pretty difficult German team to. to I mean, it, it is a difficult task, rather, to, to, to overcome the Germans. You know, that's never going to be easy for. I, I guess England. we can start a
1: round of 16 preview off of that. Is it necessarily a tough task? Hmm. Because Germany hasn't, outside of the Portugal game, Germany hasn't necessarily shown me anything that has inspired me with a lot of confidence in them.
0: Well, I mean, you have to understand. They were, they go were very good against Portugal. They were, they were very, good against Portugal. very
1: bad against France and um, Hungary.
0: And okay, wait. True, true. But, end of the day, I think you're forgetting that. Uh... Germany is being managed, uh, no, sorry, England is being managed by Gareth Southgate. And knowing Southgate, he's gonna, you know, adopt a very uh, conservative approach like he did against.
1: Uh, I mean, to be completely fair, if he did start Jack Grealish against. Um, could they play in their last group game? Chuck Republic? Yeah, Czech he Republic. Started Jack yeah, Grealish he did. against them. Against them. And yeah, it did work.
0: It they did were work. still
1: kind of boring. But he at least.
0: Got the job you know, done.
1: Yeah, got the job done. And, I mean, obviously going for Germany is the old adage. What's that Gary Lineker quote? Football is 22 men running around chasing a ball for 90 minutes and at the end the Germans always win.
0: <laughs> no, you always have something like
1: that against them. <laughs> but I would say, as if I'm looking at this from an England perspective, this is probably the first time in nearly two decades that I'm feeling confident playing Germany. And Germany are still a very good team, especially if Lennon is healthy. We saw how influential he was against Hungary. He scored, obviously, the equalizing goal and sent a nice message to the Hungarian fans. But Germany still looks so labored, and they look so... I don't want to say robotic, but it looks difficult for them building up to score like especially in the first half against Hungary their best attacking player was Mats Hummels and he's a center back and that's that's not that's not a good thing especially but if it's on the other hand if you compare it to how they played against Portugal while Portugal gave them a significant amount of space in the midfield to operate and a significant amount of space to attack in the wide areas specifically the wide areas that Nelson Semedo was supposed to be defending um they have the potential to be scary to England but I think this might be a game where England playing a midfield of Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips would work in their favor. Because while it is very defensive and it does sort of mirror what Portugal did playing a midfield of William Capario and um, Daniel Pereira, Calvin Phillips at least offers them a midfielder who can control the game and drive it forward as well as be a defensive midfielder. I guess alternatively, if they want to play Drew Bellingham there, this would be a great game to play Drew Bellingham, but Kershawgate has made his views clear on the quote-unquote inexperienced players in his team. A la James Sancho, yeah, but... but that's a completely different topic, but it, it mean, might but... be a game that sort of plays into their favor. Ma- like, making Germany try and be the deciding force because they're very bad at it.
0: I mean, I, I, I hold this view and I mean, you might disagree, which is, which is fair, but maybe starting Jude Bellingham and Sancho is a shout. end of the day, you're talking about playing against, you know, an opposition, I mean, both of them play in the Bundesliga. They play against, you know, most of these players week in, week out. It it, it makes some sense to play them, since they do, they are used to playing against opposition like that. It definitely
1: does, you're not wrong. And also because they're, you know, exciting, they're exuberant.
0: Yeah, for sure. Sancho
1: is maybe the most creative player in this England team, outside of Jack Grealish. He's the only one that can rival Jack Grealish for that title. Drew Bellingham might be the most well-rounded midfielder in this England team, and he's, what, 19? Yeah, I know. I <laughs> so agree. there are definitely plenty of arguments to play these guys. I think Southgate's rationale for not playing them, being like, oh, they're, you know, inexperienced. We don't want to throw too much at them too soon. It's fair enough, but considering both of these players, especially Sancho, now have very significant experience, not only playing for a team in the top in one of the top five leagues in world football, but also have significant experience in the Champions League like they've played on the biggest stages before playing on a big stage for your country is something different but it's not necessarily something that's so massive that they shouldn't you should be afraid to give them the opportunity to do it no for sure especially playing you know against Germany where they're going to be very familiar with the players that they're playing against
0: oh well I mean maybe Southgate's a bit uh very I suppose uh Maybe he thinks this is another Theo World uh, two thousand six World Cup uh, scenario, yeah. but <laughs> no, no, no. Trent no, Sancho I, I is mean...
1: significantly better than the tier Exactly, Walcott. you know. Ever like, was, I mean, ever will a... be. No offense to Theo this...
0: <laughs> No, in, like, I think like, I'm, I'm just getting this sense that you know, it's a, it's a whole situation where you bring on, uh, you know, a young talented kid to the, uh, to, to, your, to, to, a, to a international competition. I don't blame. So why are you bring him to? Uh, uh, I mean. It, and it, it makes little sense to me that uh, Sancho doesn't get any, doesn't get much playing time. It doesn't make sense to me that Jude Bellingham doesn't get much uh, playing time. Yeah, like I like to say, you know, maybe he's protecting them and whatnot. But I think, and this is to quote uh, Gavin D from Tepin Trovers, who's playing tonight at 10 p.m. in the AFC Champions League. Uh, <laughs> if you're good enough, you're old enough, and, and it's true. I, I, I honestly feel that. Uh so needs to take a risk. He's too conservative. And I'm 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 afraid that might you know come back to bite him. Yeah, and I
1: think while you can argue Jaden Sancho Sancho shouldn't start. I would argue in favor of him starting, but maybe you want to stick with the front three that you've had. I don't think Phil Foden's been up to scratch, but maybe you want to stick with him. I was Mm -hmm. critical of him starting Raheem Sterling, but he scored all of England's goals, so (laughs) he has to keep playing. But I don't know why you don't at least put him on the bench when he's arguably your most creative player. And when you're chasing a game, there are very few players that you can bring on in that team who are going to do what you need them to do
0: better than Jadon Sandro will. And instead of that, you you put all your right backs on the bench. (laughs) All three of them. (laughs) All the three of them it makes zero sense, man. That's
1: that's but, gonna be I'm glad you bringing that up. That decision's going to be very important for how this game's gonna go, specifically because of how much Germany are reliant in, attack, in attacking down the wide areas. Especially because of how good we've seen Robin Gosens be attacking down the left when he was attacking Nelson tomato against Portugal. If Germany are able to get spaces, get space behind the fullbacks, if you know they play Kyle Walker right back, and he has another stinker. And Robin this is able to win that individual matchup. That I'm, I'm kind of afraid for England.
0: <laughs> you know, it's but... in these kind of situations right where the ideal right back for them is <laughs> Aaron <Bissaka>. It <laughs> yeah, is. You're exactly Aaron right. Bissaka. I was just thinking
1: that. I was about to say the ideal right
0: back for them is going to be playing for the DRC soon. <laughs> Oh, so, okay, well, and, I mean, not to deviate uh, from, from the England talk, but, you know, I recently read, uh, okay, granted this might be rumours, you know, uh, but I, I read reports that um, during United's pre-season uh, fixtures, they might be trying Wan-Bissaka out as a centre-back instead of a right-back to see how he fares there. And I think that's pretty I interesting because, you know, I think that's pretty interesting because I think he is Manchester United's best defensive player. When it comes to one-on-one i think he beats maguire hands down (laughs) you know like if if you're up against one one-on-one i trust one bisaka to 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 get the ball nine out of ten times easily because he does that so so many times you know like he's able to nullify attacks and if he does get beaten right he runs back to ensure that uh you know he 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 deals with it as much as possible i mean i i can trust one bisaka if if it's on one-on-one situations Granted, playing as a right-back Playing as a centre-back It's not exactly the same thing uh, your, your rules and responsibilities shift And he's been trained as a winger He's been trained as a right-back His whole life So, uh, I don't know whether He can make the transition smoothly I hope he does You know, it solves our centre-back problem That doesn't mean we shouldn't Buy another centre-back, Ole We need to buy another centre-back, alright uh, But, no He's going to he move makes- from there And then buy here and trip here yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's, I'm very really afraid of that, actually, but, oh, shoot. No, but, I think, you know, my, my, my point, yeah. I was
1: going to say, I think that it's not necessarily an irrational thought. It feels like always been playing a little bit too much FIFA 21, because everyone on FIFA 21 plays right back to centre-back now. But I think <laughs> you are very right in saying that, um, while wan is a very good one-on-one defender, he's a very good at winning tackles as a one-on-one defender. Being a center back isn't necessarily about one-on-one defending. Being a fullback is a lot more about one-on-one defending defending. than being a center back is. Being a center back is about understanding space, understanding the movement of the opposition players and marking runners a lot more than it is about actually tackling and winning the ball. And that's why the old adage that may or may not be a real quote of Paolo Maldini saying, you know, if you have to make a tackle, you've already made a mistake. And... If you look at how many tackles Aaron Wambasaka makes, judging by the Paolo Maldini logic, he's made a lot of mistakes. But <laughs> it's obviously, I'm not saying Aaron Wambasaka has made a lot of mistakes. He's a phenomenal defensive fullback, but yeah. it's not necessarily an easy, smooth, one to one transition moving from uh, fullback to center back. It's sort of gone under the radar how good Cesar Espocueta has been at making that transition. Granted, playing in a back three versus a back two as a full back turn center back is a little bit easier, but Yeah. It's still a transition that's much harder than it seems.
0: Yeah. But maybe
1: um, I mean, maybe think maybe it from... saves his England career.
0: I mean we just we just uh, I don't think it's guaranteed possible. to
1: save his England career, considering the development of Ben White, but it could. Well Ben White, Ben Godfrey, players like that, but
0: it could. I mean yeah, that's true. I mean, end of the day, it's 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 probably going to save England's career. But I know I was just going to add really quickly before you go back to England or uh, the Euros, rather, that maybe always taking inspiration from uh, you know Luke Shaw's transition from left back to uh, left center back. I guess you know uh, sometime. Uh, I mean,
1: that didn't necessarily work out that well.
0: <laughs> it didn't work out exactly well, but you know maybe experimenting like that. Is a it's sharp. more outside the box thinking. Like for all you know, you know, Diego Dalot might have to stay. Oh, then. Goodness no. Goodness no. <laughs> okay, alright. Oh, no, Di- enough Diogo of Dallot United. Diego Dallot is I Dall think no, go no, no, no. he's gonna play right back. <laughs> he's gonna play right back because Wan okay, yeah, Bissaka
1: that's that's a more yeah, he... that's a more engaging conversation.
0: Because if one Bisaka plays as a center back, then who are we gonna play right back? Uh Excel 1 ZB. No, he's not a natural center right back. The only natural right back that we have that is uh, Diego Dalot. Will he remain in United? Maybe, maybe not. Alright, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, Back to the Euros. Um, Germany, England. Uh, Is there anything else that you'd like to quickly add on? I think it would be an interesting encounter to see whether Kane finally gets back his form. (laughs) You know, if he's on fire, Germany... The German defence will be obliterated. Because I think right now, the main issue for England going up front is Kane's off form. Sterling's doing all the work. Yeah. If, if Kane... I also
1: think that maybe there's an engaging conversation for starting calvert Lyon against Germany given that he has a lot more of that raw physicality to his game that will allow him to physically take on the German centre-backs, i.e. Matt Hummels, and act as more of a target man than Harry Kane does or at least Harry Kane in this current form that he's in but Harry Kane's going to start there's, there's no way he drops Harry Kane for the game against Germany if that doesn't work out, he'd be lampooned until the end of time.
0: No, but man, I think there's the at sack, least an bro. engaging
1: conversation about starting Calvert Lohan against Germany.
0: You know what's going to happen, right? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling confident of uh, England's chances as well, but you know what's going to happen, right? Both of us will say, ah, you know, England are favourites, they're going to win. And then the exact opposite is going to happen. Germany are okay, I'm, win two. I'm
1: fully prepared for every single prediction that I make during this segment being completely and totally wrong. <laughs> fully prepared for that. <laughs> okay, okay. So I guess before we know it, uh, the Czech Republic will be playing Switzerland for the final of the Euros.
0: No one will see that coming. There you go, bro. It's another Euro 2004. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, have two Greases instead of one. <laughs> two Greases instead of one, right? Exactly. Okay, so um England, Germany. All right. Oh. What's next?
1: There are no there are no other games in that side of the bracket that are particularly interesting. I think Sweden will easily advance past the Ukraine. I think the Netherlands will easily advance past the Czech Republic, and I think Denmark will easily advance past Wales. So, if that happens, the quarterfinal matchups would be Sweden England, just like in the World Cup, and the Netherlands versus Denmark, which are a little bit more interesting. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it
0: yeah 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 what about the other side bracket where you have your well i mean to be honest i I guess we probably got to
1: talk about the tie it around first belgium and portugal
0: yeah for sure um that's going to be an interesting picture
1: just before we get into this belgium got screwed
0: (laughs) yeah their potential path to
1: the final would be portugal italy and france Whereas England's path to the final could be Germany, Sweden, and Denmark and the Netherlands. For instance, using England as an example. but man. Belgium were dominant in the group stage. And they got rewarded by saying, here's, you know, the reigning European champions. Potentially the team that's the favorite to win this competition. And then potentially, if you get to the semifinal, they're reigning world
0: champions. you honestly right. How did you say it like that? Yeah. They got screwed. What the hell? I mean, they could have come in second and potentially gotten a... <laughs> potentially been on the other side of the bracket. Yeah, no, exactly. And France could oh, have wow.
1: conceded another goal against Portugal and had to play England. <laughs> had they got past England, they would have been on the easier side.
0: Oh, wow. Who makes this... these decisions as a
1: UEFA. It's UEFA. Oh, it's all
0: UEFA. It's not fair, man. What the hell? I right. mean,
1: Talking about the game, Belgium and Portugal. Yeah. I texted you after the Portugal-France game that there's a certain player that we have to talk
0: about when it comes to Portugal. Uh, I'm dreading this. So, conversation just to, like just to
1: set up the conversation, Portugal played very well against France. I don't think France, well, I think on the whole, France probably deserved a draw, but after the first half... France were very lucky to even be in the game. Um, just to cover the caveats of the game, the penalty against Hugo Lloris is probably a penalty. Even though there were some, you know, question marks about it, he did technically win the ball with his punch, but he also punched Daniel Pereira in the face. Um, Anthony Lopes got sent off for the very same thing against, for Leon against Monaco. So, to be fair, Lloris is very lucky. He didn't get sent off. The, the penalty for France... Maybe not a penalty, but Karen Benzema scored it, so I don't care. <laughs> um, Benzema scored from open play as well, so I could be happy about that. And then the other penalty, maybe for Portugal, maybe a little harsh, but Cristiano Ronaldo needs to get his penalty goals. So, that's true, for that's
0: true.
1: I still think this was the best Portugal played in this entire competition, how they played against France. And it was the one game so far in this competition that Bruno Fernandes did not start in.
0: Yeah, which is and interesting we need to have a
1: conversation about that. <laughs>
0: I mean, I guess the question then becomes, is it Bruno? Is it how he's being deployed? Is it the tactics? Like, I mean, there are multiple factors here, right? It, it can't be just that, oh, he's off form. Or like, he, he's bringing the team down. Maybe they're tactically... I mean, I, I guess this is the inner Manchester United fan me, trying to defend my boy, But End of the day, you're right. You know, Portugal played significantly better without Bruno on the pitch. I think... You could
1: look at it in one of two different ways. So, Portugal's midfield three was Danilo Pereira until he got subbed off at halftime, João Moutinho and Renato Sanchez. Renato Sanchez was phenomenal. He was absolutely outstanding. He should have been playing in the game, he should have been playing much earlier for Portugal. And you could look at their midfield in either one of two ways either Renato Sanchez came in for Bruno Fernandes, which is the right decision, or João Moutinho came in for Bruno Fernandes, which Eh, I think Moutinho is all right, but maybe if Fernandes is there, Portugal plays better. But mm. maybe the, they played better by dropping William Cavario instead of by dropping Bruno Fernandes. But because you know everyone wants to target Manchester United, they're going to say, hey, they dropped Bruno Fernandes and they suddenly played so much better. That's not to take away from the fact that Bruno Fernandes, arguably one of the best midfielders in the world, him leaving a team suddenly made their team better,
0: but it's mm.
1: and also the fact that when he got subbed in, he probably should have conceded a penalty that would have allowed France to win the game. But you know, that's that's my qualm with Antonio Lopes and with the with the yeah, with the referees. So that's that's for another time, but. It's at least interesting like Bruno is expected to be one of the biggest stars of this competition. He really hasn't lived up to the billing
0: I mean, it's uh, I, it's true. It's true. You know, like I mean end of the game, I guess, you know, Pogba, Pogba and Bruno had I mean they, they have been for United this season uh, But it was a tale of two different players, right? You know, you had Pogba with Shining Draw to the match. And you had Bruno, who, well, he didn't start. He came on. Eh, it was a lackluster performance, I guess. It's all right. Uh, so, eh. But. I, at least th-
1: I always think there's another frame they can look at this through where for United, Bruno is the guy. Like, he is the person who everything goes through. He is the person who is the most central to every single attack Manchester United go through. Is that fair to say?
0: That is absolutely correct. 100% spot on. He is not that for Portugal. That's Cristiano Ronaldo. So,
1: maybe he's less effective by not being so ball dominant. Maybe you can make that argument. Maybe you can can say it's a system thing. I think you can also make an overarching argument that Portugal are way too good to be reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo and... They showed that they have the ability to not be reliant on Cristiano Ronaldo in this game because of how good, how good Ronaldo Sanchez was, how good Jovapulencia was when he came out in the second half. Um, you know, Dio Maria to finally stop being selfish and doing good things. So they sort of went away from that. But maybe there is an argument that in a system where Bruno is not as ball dominant, he's not going to be
0: as good. It's a hmm, now that you put it that way, right? I guess that is a good point, but. I mean, a good player has to adapt to any situation and I think he needs to realise that... I mean, it's not his first rodeo with Portugal. That's the thing, you see. He has played in... Uh, I, I, well, I was going to say subservient, but uh, I was going to say his, he has played second fiddle to Ronaldo before. This isn't his first time doing that. So, and you know, it takes a great player to be able to, to, to put on many hats and I think for Bruno to truly become you know, legendary. I think he needs to learn how to do that. And, going forward at United, if we sign someone like Sancho, you know, if we sign someone like, uh, uh, I can't think of anyone else you want to sign besides Sancho because that should be our priority. If you keep Pogba. If we keep Pogba, well, I mean, if we, yeah, you know, he needs to learn how to, 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 to share that responsibility because even at United, it is annoying sometimes when he is dictating, you know, play all the time. Because sometimes it doesn't work and we need to realise that he is human too. It's, it's... Especially given the pack schedule that we had towards the end of the season, half of the time, the things that he was doing, you know, didn't really work. Yeah, he scored a few goals, he made a few assists, but there were so many instances where he was simply off form. And he was really off form during the Europa League final. So, technically speaking, maybe you know, going into Euros, he wasn't really he, he didn't really have the best of forms. If you think about it, and maybe that's partly reason why, partly the reason why he was dropped during that important fixture against France.
1: It's very possible.
0: So it is but very I think
1: possible. also the as much as I wanted to make that the overarching story of that game, I think what should be the overarching story of that game is how good two young players were who are going to be likely making two very big moves in the summer Ronaldo Sanchez and Travolina and especially this especially the latter versus the former because we all know who the former is I mean I saw some idiotic tweets on Twitter saying that you know Renato Sanchez is a completely different beast when he puts on a Portugal shirt which are made by people who clearly have not watched him play for little um, yeah but the latter I've texted you this multiple times for those who don't know his name, remember the name Joao Polina because you will be hearing it a whole lot more. I have never been more convinced that he is the man Manchester United need to sign than when I was watching him play against France. So never been Portuguese more sport. convinced in my life. Another Portuguese player from Sporting. Arguably their best player. You're going to do it twice in two summers.
0: Yes, <laughs> right. Twice hey. in um,
1: three or four windows. Um, he's, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's just absolutely phenomenal. He is, it's like how I've described on here before, and I think I've described to you before, how United need a player like Wilfred Ndidi, a player who can be that sole-sitting number six that allows the two midfielders ahead of him to do a lot more of the creative attacking things. That's what um, Ndidi allows for Tealman's and James Madison to do at Leicester. That's what United need someone to do to allow Bruno and Paul Pogba to do what they want to do, which is, you know, Dictate the attack and score and assist And Joel Polini is that player And I think he's significantly cheaper Than Who I think Manchester United want to sign Which is Declan Rice Even though This is not a knock against Declan Rice I think he's also a fantastic player But United need to expand their horizons Or not really expand their horizons United need to look back to the horizon That was
0: looking at Sporting And sign Sporting's
1: best player again (laughs)
0: Which is, I mean, which is fair. I mean, end of the day, like I do feel, I, mean, I do strongly feel that um, United are blinded by this, uh, you know, incessant need to uh, sign English players. They need to become a British team all over again. The problem with that is that English players are ridiculously expensive, and they might not always do the best job. You know, I think they need to be a bit economical here, given that they're going to spend 90 million on jaden Sancho. Don't get me wrong, United are a mega-rich club, but COVID has affected everyone's financial uh, ability to 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 spend. So, I, I do feel like if 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 it comes down to it, you know, forget Declan Rice, <laughs> okay? Forget Declan Rice, right? Get jaden Sancho. I don't even think that. Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. know if you don't think get Joao Coutinho. I was going to say, I don't even think
1: it's an English thing. I just think you they are so? marketable players. Like, that's why they're linked with the Jayden Sanchos, the Declan Rices, the Rafael Verons as well. Because those are the big shiny names. Those are the names that everyone's heard of. I mean, a little less so with Declan Rice compared to the other two. But Declan Rice, like those, have the potential to be, you know, big name star caliber Premier League players. Declan Rice is already arguably... A, st- a star player in the Premier League. He's been liked to Chelsea. He's been liked to Manchester United. He is sort of that name-brand player. No one in their right mind has heard of draw Pelinio, unless you're a nerd like me. But it, he's <laughs> okay, if, yeah. hes probably half the price of Declan Rice. And maybe just as good, if not better. And if United don't sign him, someone else will. So that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. I think United <laughs> need to stray away from being the team that wants to sign the marketable players. Because being a good team in football doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily dictated by how much you spend is by how smartly you spend. And I mean Leicester is the perfect example. No one looked no one knew who Wilfred and Didi or very few people knew who Yuri Chellmans was before Leicester signed them. I mean And Lester then they turned not... them
0: into the marketable stars. That's not even go... Uh, I mean, let's go way back and talk about Kanté and Marres. You know, no <laughs> yeah, one exactly. cared about Kanté and Marres. And look at the how Kanté was playing for Khan.
1: Rian Marres was playing like
0: the like. Yeah, exactly.
1: And now they're both superstars.
0: And I mean, and then you always you also have that you know Jamie Vardy story as well. You know, from non-league to league football. You know, yeah. all these players essentially became stars under. Uh, Claudio Ranieri because they want a title you know what a fairy tale uh, I mean I know you you hate Leicester to to the bone not as much as Liverpool but but you know like you cannot deny that there is something um, you know fantasy like that season and the seasons to come after that you know girlfriend and Didi. you know no one knew anything about oh well, that's not true. I was gonna say Cash Push Michael. I don't know why, but everybody knew Cash Push Michael. Everyone knew Cash yeah.
1: Push Michael was. everyone knew Cash
0: Push Michael was. But I mean, the point is, you know, their recruitment was pretty. Sol- there is still pretty solid. United you know, need to learn a thing or two. I mean, let's. I don't like to go back to the Sir Alex Ferguson days because we need to sort of, um, uh, you know, grow and we need to evolve from that. But end of the day, right? You know, Fergie bought players like. Chicharito, when no one knew who the hell Chicharito was, you know. Fergie <laughs> bought Sousa. Who was Sousa? You know, before he came to to, to to England, you know. It it it's 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 base. The scouting team is ah, so fixated with the shiny names. I don't even think it's the scouting team's so fault. I think this is everything to do with the board. You know, they need uh, to keep United relevant. We need to market them more. you know Manchester freaking United. Anyone you bring in, it's going to be marketable.
1: <laughs> Any, yeah, anyone who you bring in who's good is going to. Yeah, it's gonna ma-
0: no, exactly. Yeah.
1: United just we turn every conversation to about United, but this is a point that I want to make. United are really focused on bringing in those big names, and it's usually always to their detriment, even if they work out. Like I've been critical enough of Harry Maguire over the last few years, but Harry Maguire is a good player. Yes, he Harry, but. Wesley Fofana was half the price. <laughs> yeah, a world record fee on Harry Maguire. And yeah. probably within two years, Wesley Fofano is going to be better than him. Because Leicester did their homework and signed the player that, uh, that the average fan in the Premier League had never heard of. Whereas United went for, albeit a good player, a very good player, but one that they had to spend a world record fee on who's not necessarily going to get much better. So this is my bedrock point to say, Manchester United, I have fixed your midfield. You need to sign a winger, whether that be Jadon Sancho or someone else, it's probably going to be Jadon Sancho. Just go ahead and do it. Then you need to sign a center defensive midfielder,
0: and it needs to not be Declan Rice, and it needs to be Raphael. yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, and okay, I guess, well, enough talk about United. Uh, yeah, you're right. We always bring back to United, my bad. But... Um, going on to let's talk, about Belgium. Belgium, just. Let's let's talk, talk about, about Belgium. Let's talk
1: about another ex-United player. Let's talk about Belgium.
0: <laughs> let's talk about Romelu Lukaku. Uh, let's talk about Romelu Lukaku and how he's potentially going to terrorize the Portuguese defense. Um, so he has gracious. it in him to do it. He's, he's such. So he's, from being, you know, trolled upon because of his uh, really questionable first touches at Manchester United to being such a beast of a player. He's always been a beast of a player. It's just that he's become more polished and refined right now. Able to do I more remember things. when
1: all y'all on football Twitter were saying that he plays like he's wearing Tim's, and look at him now.
0: A king. <laughs> what? Oh, man, what a player. What Tied for top you? score I mean, in the Euros. Playing for I mean, I could,
1: could very well win it.
0: They, I mean, they could if they hadn't got, you know, drawn into this side of the bracket. But yeah, it's much tougher for them now, but
1: yeah,
0: specifically for them,
1: Specifically for them, their forwards are going to be fine. Eden Hazard's playing at least passably well. Romelu is arguably the best player in the tournament so far. Um, It's just about their midfield. It's about specifically what they're going to get alongside of De Bruyne. I don't even know who they have started in the group stage. I'm going to go ahead and Google that. Against Finland they started Axel Witzel next to him and then played Tressard and Chadley as wing backs. It's gonna be about who they what kind of performance they get out of the guy playing next to De Bruyne. Or if De Bruyne plays as a forward, what kind of performance they get from the two players that are playing behind De Bruyne.
0: Because no, I, mean, I... I was gonna say it also depen- I, I mean we talked about aging defenses and he doesn't get as old as he does with the Belgium. Back you know, Uh about the in outer
1: world are still kicking about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Does and not inspire you
1: know, me with confidence.
0: <laughs> it doesn't. So, you know, Portugal might just Thomas,
1: Thomas Vermont started against Finland. I didn't yeah, even know he's still playing.
0: <laughs> I didn't know he. Yeah, he. I think he's in Japan right now. I might be mistaken. Um, might be outdated, but um, he he that doesn't inspire me with right confidence. Right yeah, that doesn't inspire me with confidence. Not because he's playing in Japan, but because it's Thomas Mullen.
1: Especially Many because fans. their two wingbacks aren't even necessarily wingbacks. They're just extra wingers. I mean, against Finland, it was Nasser Chablay and Landre Trossard. Against Denmark, it was...
0: Carrasco, right, no? Uh,
1: Thorgen Hazard and Thomas Mounier, who, to be fair, is actually a wingback. Okay, but he is a wingback. It's not necessarily that defensive. And you're going against Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> You know, it's it's concerning. I'm not going to lie to you. It's concerning. As as potent as Belgium are going forward with Lukaku, with Eaton Hazard, with Drus Martins, with Jeremy Doku, who played fairly well against Finlands I mean, as potent as they are going forward, it is very concerning in defense. And that's why I think the, those two midfield players, how they're able to play against what is likely going to be Renato Sanchez and, and Joao Polignan is it's very important to deciding how far Belgium can actually go, not only through this game, but in this competition.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's something also to think about in the future, right? Because if I was with Belgium, I feel right now, yeah, my priority. Yeah. Priority is Euros this summer, but going forward for the World Cup, what am I going to do about that? Especially because that
1: that World Cup is definitively going to be the last chance of this golden generation to win something. Exactly. This has been the most talented generation in the history of Belgian football, and their best thing to show for it is third place at a World Cup, which, again, is historic for Belgium. But if they don't win the Euros and they don't win the World Cup in Qatar... You'll be looking back on this and thinking, man, this team was so talented. But they didn't. They just couldn't do anything with it.
0: You'll be thinking about this team a
1: lot like how you think about a lot of Dutch teams. (laughs)
0: Like, a lot of Dutch teams. (laughs) That's actually a good point. That's actually a good point. Now that you mention it. But, I mean... Oh, well, I... I, Well... Okay, granted. Okay, granted. granted. All right. I don't think... uh, it might be the last chance for, for this golden generation to win something. Uh, this Belgian golden generation to win something. But I think, you know, going forward, Belgium do have talent within their ranks. You know, you still have Fury retail amount in the squad. Romelu Lukaku is still... I think he's you know, talking about 27, 26, right? I might be wrong. I thought he was 30. Nah. Nah, bro. Nah, nah. We, we, we I think we I mean if he if he's 26 27 uh, he's the cup is twenty eight. Yeah, but he's still young. You know, he still has another good four or five years in.
1: He's still got at least two time. tournaments left in him.
0: Yeah, so sure. yeah.
1: this Euros World Cup and then probably the Euros after that.
0: Yeah, and I mean the the, the thing is they, they can form, you know, a decent team uh, around players like UIT, around players like um well, yeah, okay, I guess maybe Belgium is good, but... Uh... <laughs> I mean, you have, you have a
1: few players there. Like, you have Yuri Chelmans, you have Jeremy Doku, you have... You do. Players like Charles Castellana. Yeah, Timothy Kassalea, um... Yeah, Timothy Castagna, uh, Albert Sambiokoga. Players who are still fairly young and can be very, very talented. There are quite a few of them playing for And-Elect right now. Mm. But it's just a question of will they be... This good? Like, is there another
0: Rumble Lukaku here? Is there another Kevin LeBron here? Is there I another Toby world here? I think all of us are forgetting uh, the legend himself, um, you know, who will replace Lukaku when he does call time on his career. DeWalker, Origi uh, yeah, that's right he will he will replace uh lukaku and bring him, bring belgium to to the finals of the the euros and win it just like how uh edda did it with Portugal. That's, that's how it's gonna happen mark my words mark my words i completely, no, I completely but...
1: forgot diva kurigi is only 26.
0: yeah he's only 26. so like he's too I much mean, young. He... he's two
1: months older than i am that's crazy <laughs> i thought he was much
0: older oh whoa interesting whoa no, actually well, a year and two months. A year and two months. A year I and mean, two year months. months. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna be like, wait a minute, aren't we both like <laughs> the same age? I was thought, I yeah, had no, like no. a very uh whoa <laughs> Have I been living alive? Have uh, been yeah, <laughs> living off <offline>? lie. <laughs> like, is this man born in ninety five and not in ninety six? <laughs> what Alright. All right. Okay, moving no on. but moving on, moving on. Okay, let's talk about Italy and France. I know they don't they're, playing they're not play. playing each
1: other but let's, let's cover the other. last two quote unquote favorites who are in the knockout stages Italy are playing Austria yeah. to win the right to play the winner of Belgium and Portugal and France are playing mm-hmm. Switzerland it's sort of a, two divergingly different stories with these old fabled rivals Italy is a team who continue to be maybe the most dominant team in this tournament arguably the tournament's favorite going into the knockout stages France haven't quite kicked it
0: into gear yet Which one do you well, want to talk about first? Let's talk about Italy because it's easier to talk about. Um, yeah, I think it's they're easy. going <laughs> <laughs> Cause they're gonna whip they're gonna Australia. I know. Yeah. Then that's the thing, right? I at this point I don't know what to think anymore. You know, uh, this is the curse of being the favorites. You know, everybody thinks you're gonna win, and then you flop. You know, Austria is gonna flop too past Donnarumma, and Italy are going to be. You know, like they're gonna be scrambling to get that goal. The whole world is gonna be dumbfounded. I'm not surprised by that. Then again, I'm not also surprised by the fact that uh, Italy slot three past Austria and continue their dominant run. run. The reason why so, I see this is uh, sorry, there are
1: there are you know sort of diverging thought processes with this. One, Italy has looked so good so dominant, they so have, good so many have. different areas in the group stage. But on the other hand, they haven't necessarily played anyone that good. I mean, Switzerland are are pretty good. But Wales, with all due respect, are not a good team. They're playing with 10 men for at least half of the game. And Turkey are terrible. So they haven't necessarily
0: that You're talking about a team that took 4 points away from France in qualification. Yeah,
1: that's why I have no confidence in France. But. You could argue that Italy haven't necessarily faced a team that are gonna make, they're gonna go toe-to-toe with them, and I don't necessarily think Austria is that team, but potentially you could see the train go off the rails in the quarterfinals, regardless of who they play in the quarterfinals.
0: All right, yes, that's a good point. Well I mean I guess it also depends, mm. I hope. guess at least, at least
1: moving forward. Mm -hmm. that final game in the group stage does give you a lot of confidence about the player pool that Italy has going towards the World Cup.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean,
1: their goal scorer in that game, Matteo Pessina, is 24. Yeah. And he's hardly good enough to even get into this Italian midfield. Like, he only played because they rotated Barella and Locatelli.
0: Speaking of Locatelli, right, um, Apparently he's A lot of big clubs Are eyeing uh, Move for, for For like Hopefully he he's gets so good. A move for. He's Yeah so good. He, He's not supposed so to be like a Which is a shame But he's, he's Oh so god no Yeah he should Seek he's a move so abroad yeah. Well okay uh, Before I, I Go down the rabbit hole Of transfer talk Right Once again Because I was about To bring up United Um, uh, Do you think Austria has any chance At all Of causing an Italian upset? Very little.
1: I think if they are going to have a chance, they need to limit how effective Jorginho is or whatever combination of midfielder they have is, whether it's Jorginho and Locatelli sort of playing the dual, um, the dual regista role. Um, can they stop uh, Nicola Abrella breaking forward? Is Marco Verratti going to start? Can they stop him from breaking forward? But... I don't exactly have a lot of confidence in Austria doing it. I mean, well... They're not, do they're you have not, local... a, bad not a bad
0: team. they a bad team. They beat Macedonia.
1: Um, they beat Ukraine. Yeah. They struggled a bit against the Netherlands, but the Netherlands have played well. I think there's good players in this team. Christoph Baumgartner is a really good young player. Marcel Sabitzer is a very good player. Mark Aronacevic on his day is a good player. They're going yeah. to need a superhuman performance for Marcel Sabitzer, though. But he needs to dictate that midfield. And I'm not entirely sure he's going to be able to do it.
0: Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see there. But do you have more confidence in Switzerland causing an upset over France?
1: Yes, because I have zero confidence in France.
0: Well, okay, but that's, that's
1: me being a pessimist.
0: And you learning think... from experience <laughs> is not to ever have full confidence in your team <laughs> my
1: my um like my, my irons were sharpened so to speak with your 2008 world cup 2010 so i'll never have confidence for France in any competition whatsoever regardless of how good they are but eight. i mean so what you want are a good team they're not yeah a, a great team and I think their group stage performance sort of showed that. I think they're just comfortably the second best team in this group, but there are some good players in this team. I mean, they have a back a defense that doesn't necessarily inspire me with a lot of confidence, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: froyer and jaka are a good combination in midfield. Um, they're going to generate a lot of chances. I question how effectively Mbolo and Safira Fisher are going to score them. But mm-hmm. obviously France have shown their ability to turn off at times, like they did against Hungary, where they went one 0 down. And if France aren't as clued into that game as similar to how they were in the first half against Hungary, then Switzerland have the chance to beat them. And especially because France has zero healthy left backs. So that's gonna that's gonna be
0: interesting. That's true. Oh mean left backs? Yep zero. Who's thing is left back right now?
1: So Lucas Hernandez was the starter. He got injured against um, Portugal. And okay. Dean came on to replace him. And he also got injured. And Dean is basically out for the entire tournament with a hamstring problem. They think Lucas Hernandez is oh. going to be out for the whole tournament.
0: Oh God. So I guess we wouldn't play creative back. The
1: or they play Quarantan Solissa as left back. Or Adrian Rabia, who, who filled in at left-back for the rest of that Portugal game. And played fairly well. Admittedly, yeah, relatively speaking, he's like, but... He, he's not left-back. <laughs> he, oh, God. I mean, well, I mean, they'll likely be able to get away with it against on
0: If they're so. able to I, control so.
1: possession and control how the game is played, they'll likely get away with it. But maybe in the quarterfinal against Spain, potentially they can figure it out or Croatia, a rematch of the World Cup final they maybe, can figure it maybe. out I don't necessarily maybe. have confidence in Spain
0: but but I think
1: so to talk about the france Portugal game I texted you saying France need to make three changes for this game. One of them yep. was dropping Benzema for Olivier Giroud, which they didn't do and I'm very happy that they didn't do <laughs> Yeah, one of, and the two others that they did do were dropping Adrian Rabiot for on Tolisso and dropping Benjamin Pavard for Erjul Kunda, and neither yeah. of those worked. Kunda playing right back was not very good. Tolisso playing sort of like a center mid sort of winger role.
0: Yeah, I, I thought the yeah, Deschamps is like, weird.
1: Is that didn't necessarily work. It's sort of like an inverted Matuidi uh, situation, right? Yeah, it's basically how Mbahedi played in the World Cup, except they did yeah. with Tolisso, and Tolisso didn't work because I don't think he just has the natural running ability that plays Matweedy does, because Matweedy just runs and runs and yeah. runs. Yeah. But I think going into the Switzerland game, I'm going to I'm going to say a change that they need to make, and I'm hoping DJ Deschamps is listening to this random podcast on Spotify. But you need to start Kingsley Coman against Switzerland. Hmm. He came on against Portugal in the second half in place of Tolisso and was outstanding. And I think France benefited from going back to that 4-2-3 one that they played at the World Cup. Can you depend on Kingsley Coman,
0: though?
1: I mean, with his injury record, no, you can't depend on Kingsley Coman, but in a pinch, and... he's probably France's most dynamic, not-named Kylian Mbappe attacking player.
0: Well, okay, Because of true, his pace,
1: because of his trickery, because of his ability, his he has the, I don't want to say intelligence because that just sounds the meaning, but he has a lot of the in game tactical mouse that Usman Dembele lacks. And obviously is injured, but he makes yeah. those dangerous runs. He knows when to attack, he knows how to attack. And that, that made him so dangerous against Portugal. He should have won yeah. a penalty at the end of the game, but the referee didn't call it. And I think going back to that 4 2 3 one where you have two natural wingers, Mbappe and Coman playing against which one is going to be very effective. Especially if Benzema has now found his confidence in his goal scoring ability, and especially if Griezmann continues playing the way he's played this whole
0: tournament, which is fair. I don't know. don't get me wrong, which is fair. But I'm going to say this, you know, Kingsley Coman and Usman Dembele are from the same uh, of the same mold, you know. Um, I'm not saying in terms of their abilities on the pitch but in terms of their injury proneness, their proneness <laughs> in terms of, proneness. of their physical makeup they are both made of glass exactly like you can have the best player you know in uh Coleman, right there but end of the day, like if he drops out injured in the first ten minutes, uh, what then for France? You know, you you waste a substitution. It's it's a problem, right? It's it's always been a problem for such a talented player like him. So it's he he isn't dependable. I mean, I'm sorry to say this, but I think he he has a it's it's a safer bet to, to bring him on in the second half than to start him. Only because the last thing you want is to have an injured command. I think that's fair. While well, I do sort of disagree with that point, but
1: I think you could at least have the same conversation around Tomo Lamar and starting Yeah. Game. so come on on the on the white. Yeah. Basically, the root of my point is you need to start another actual winger,
0: and you, you need to off.
1: actually be a little bit more daring, and, and which Deschamps be has yeah. been a little bit hesitant in doing, but France has all the ability in the world to be the best attacking side in world football, and they showed in flashes against Germany that when they put it all together, they are... On- much Easy. for my liking which Deschamps can obviously do nothing about and uh, I think he tried up. to overcompensate for that against Hungary and against uh, Portugal where France looked a lot more stunted in attack outside of Paul Pogba
0: you, you, playing long balls you, you, do you do know that you do know that you got cut off a bit there right and there you go again uh, ladies and gentlemen the joys of life Life connection am I back because yes you are back finally <laughs> I disconnected I was, I was just saying uh, you know uh, the choice of live uh, recording you know over thousands and thousands of miles uh, in between two people I guess I mean I'm, I'm revenue at this just, point but
1: I'll just restart my point can you hear me
0: yeah I can hear you okay
1: basically I was saying I think France need to play a second winger because they've been very stunted in attack after after the first game where they showed they have the ability to play as this deadly counter-attacking team, even though they gave the ball a little bit they gave the ball away a little bit too much they had a few chances, that were ruled out for offside or they missed a few chances as well they were a little more stunted against Hungary and they were stunted very much in the first half against Portugal outside of Paul Pogba playing long through balls to Mbappe and taking off one of those three center midfielders to play a second winger And playing Pogba and Conte in that double pivot that works so well in the World Cup, I think should be the way forward for France. They've done all this experimentation with their system and their style of play, but I think going back to the basics of what got France to a Euros final and what got France to winning the World Cup is probably their best bet for this tournament. And then if there is going to be a reinvention, whether it is finding a different system to play under Deschamps or finding a new manager to replace Deschamps. We can do that after the World Cup where we can evaluate younger players who can come into this team and replace some of the, not to say ineffective, but more aging players that are in this team.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's actually a fair point. Um, I guess, uh, besides France, besides Italy, maybe just to touch on uh, Spain and the Netherlands really quickly. Um, I get to be mad, you Spain you get to be mad mean, at Spain again I mean
1: speaking completely They scored 5 goals against Slovakia Slovakia so are good did. But they scored 5 goals That's
0: 5 more goals Than I expected them to score Yeah okay that's fair That's fair You know I, I did remember you uh, You know ranting about That whole Spain selection How they keep on thing Moreno as a winger Instead of a central striker But How they started Pablo all...
1: Sarabia Who
0: to be fair Played well He did He's got a goal You know Played pretty recently. I mean, I guess, you know, maybe Spain team isn't that bad after all. I mean, who am I kidding? Yeah, they're the still, they're still not great. They're not that great. I think
1: they put on the performance that they needed when they needed to do it. Uh, who are they playing? Croatia? Croatia are also not that good. I think they'll be Croatia. I'm Probably not necessarily confident in their chances of playing France, but... I guess there's something here maybe Luis Enrique has finally hit the switch that he needs to hit but probably my continuing issues with this team they didn't even score their first goal until Martin Dubrovka basically threw the ball into his own goal in the 30th minute they then only scored one other goal in the first half which was noted Spaniard Imeric Laporte scoring off the corner (laughs) they weren't even that good in the first half and they ended up scoring five goals and lot, yeah. that, seem, that seems to be counterintuitive but it just shows what this the frustrating team the frustrating thing objectively about this Spain team is they're trying to make things harder than it needs to be like Ooh. you don't need to be playing your best striker as a winger you yeah, don't you need don't. to be playing your best midfielder as a right back you don't need to be playing an 18 year old kid at center back who's played like 5 times in the last 3 months even though yeah. to be fair, Eric Garcia played well, but there there is something there that Spain could you know be the dark horse that actually ends up winning this Euros. But they're making things so much harder for themselves than they need than they need it to be. When they brought on players who could play this free expansive attacking role, like like Ferran Torres, like Mikel ball, Thiago to a certain extent, they they played a lot more free and a lot more open and were able to score three more goals. Mm -hmm. One of them coming from Ferran But I just don't think they're all there. And I think if they disappointingly go out to either uh, Croatia or France, there's going to be a lot of self-reflection with the Spain team and the direction that they're going and the selection questions around the Spanish national team. Because if it wasn't for the the, uh, Slovakia game, based on how the crowd reacted when they drew one all with poland you really thought that luis enrique might lose his job yeah the rate it was going maybe
0: he doesn't know what he's doing man
1: which again sort of seems unfair for to, to criticize the manager who's obviously wanted a european travel granted having Lionel messi on your team is a little bit more helpful in that regard for sure
0: and I guess you know it's, it's different on the club level as opposed to the national team level where you don't have as much time to gel the players together as much time to, to experiment with the players and you don't have uh, the ability to pick and choose from um, you know a multitude of nationalities I suppose
1: um, well technically you do because I'm the support players for them
0: but <laughs> well again... <laughs> yes you do yes he's from that do. very specific France part of Spain interesting well I mean, I guess moving on to um, the Netherlands, I suppose. Yeah, we, I,
1: I, I'm sorry, Dutch people. I skimmed over you way too quickly. You guys have played very, very well.
0: Thank you for they giving had... Ryan
1: Gravenberco some playing time. I'm very happy that he played.
0: What a player, right? What a talent. He, he probably will leave Ajax in the years to come. But until then, uh, hopefully Ajax does do something good with him. I mean... The Netherlands is sort of like Italy. You can question how many good
1: teams they've actually played. But you can only play who's in front of you. And they've played very
0: well against the teams that are in front of them. Yeah, sure. true. You know, they, they, they've been they've been pretty pretty solid going forward. Um, let's see how they do against the Czech Republic. They're not an easy, easy side to play against uh, given how they performed against, you know, Croatia, uh, England, and Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. But
1: I think this has been... Specifically from a Dutch point of view, this has been a very good tournament for One Wijnaldum, who I think there are maybe a few question marks about around going into this tournament, whether he should be the one playing in midfield or whether they should give the role to someone else. Yeah. But I think he's been very effective in that very sort of free, almost number ten role, and I think that's good, a good omen for PSG fans who are watching him play that they have another player who's able to play a more free attacking role. Yeah, yeah. I also think it's been, unfortunately for Everton, a very good uh, tournament for Denzel Dumfries, who was rumored to be moving to Everton before the tournament, but may or may not be now priced out in the toffees, given how good he's been for the Netherlands. Ooh. But may or may not end up being, you know, the next Gregory Vanderveil, so only time will tell.
0: Only time uh, will tell. The that, Netherlands that's... team,
1: I, I think we brought it up before that it isn't necessarily how good they do in this tournament that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Because, honestly, I don't think they're going to win the Euros. They could get to the final, given the side of the bracket that they're on. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be comfortably favorites against the Czech Republic. Pardon me. Um, I think they'll be not necessarily comfortably favorites, but I think they'll be favorites against either Denmark or Wales. Mm-hmm. And then you're in the semi-final and anything can happen. So... They have a pathway to the final, which would be a very big deal for the Netherlands to get back to a major tournament final, but I'm more looking at this team looking ahead to the World Cup, because there are young players in this team who are getting playing time, who are going to be, you know, a year and a half more mature and a year and a half more ready by the time they go to the World Cup. It's guys like Grafenberg, like Daniel Malin, um, like Jerry Timber, Cody Gakpo, who may not necessarily be influential players now but they could be by the time the world cup comes around and netherlands by 2022 could be favorites among the favorites i should say to win the world cup
0: which well, would be great
1: because we can finally stop calling the netherlands the most successful team to never win the world cup because they they deserve one
0: they do they do i mean they came close in 2010 uh, closest in in a while but uh Hopefully, they do, you know. Like, it, it, it it's such a shame, you know. Like modern football is really based off the whole Dutch system.
1: Yeah, it's wild it's, to it's think the... that a country that's so influential when it comes to how mm. we even think about the sport in general has never won the World Cup. Right? It has you know, a country that's produced arguably one of the four best players in the history of the sport,
0: has never won the World Cup. Granted, ah. you could say the same about Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo, but still. And still. also the country that's, you know, produced an, a Grammy award-winning footballer in you know, <laughs> Memphis Depay. So, like, let's, let's not forget about now it. Now Barcelona's Memphis Depay. Now Barcelona's Memphis Depay. Well, there goes me playing Lyon. I mean, the only reason why I play Lyon on FIFA is because of Depay. Now, who am I going to depend on scoring you goals? Thanks a lot. Uh, so you goal, you huh? can
1: wait a few years until Ryan Cherokee becomes... The career mode uh, Well he's already superstar. Technically the career mode god But You can wait a few years He's 5 star skills 5 star weak foot If you know how to scale sure. You'll be
0: able to use him Unfortunately I don't really skill Because I'm not Too good at it Neither But not. I guess I mean I mean I guess You know On, on that note um, You know The Euros has been interesting So far Hopefully you know uh, There are more twists and turns That uh uh, allow us to talk a great deal more in the coming weeks. Uh, the first round, the group stages have been interesting for sure. Uh, you know, A couple of uh, interesting players have sort of emerged, or new faces have become, are, are sort of staking their claim to superstardom. Uh, but we'll wait and see, we'll wait and see how,
1: how things pan out. I'm gonna put you on the spot before we get off the Euros. Who do you think is
0: gonna be in the final, and who do you think is gonna win? Ooh, um, I think it might be an England-Belgium final. I don't know why I'm saying that, but I suspect it might come down to those two teams. England easily, because uh, mate, your bracket is too easy, bro. If they overcome Germany, there is no reason why they shouldn't be in the final. Belgium, because I do think they have it in them to cause upsets. Um, I think Belgium plays well against the bigger boys. Uh, more so than other teams. Like, they relish that challenge a lot. And in Lukaku, they have probably the best striker in the Euros right now. Uh, I know Ronaldo stops for her, but he's got a shit ton of, of these. So. Um, yeah, I think Lukaku is arguably the best striker in the Euros right now. I don't, I can't think of any other name I mean, yeah, you can say Benzema, but like, like, I think, in my opinion, Lukaku is the best striker. And going forward, he's going to be the one getting them the goals if they go down, getting them the goals if they are in a deadlock. He's yeah guy. If he's injured, then yeah, Belgium's done basically. <laughs> but. As long as he's fit, as long as he has, you know, his supporting cast and Kevin De Bruyne, you know, uh, behind him, it's going to be a Belgium-England final, but England are going to win it. It's going to come home. I I have a good feeling it's going to come home. (laughs) it's a weird one you think England oh, on the spectrum the of
1: it's coming home you are closer of is it coming home you're closer to it's coming home versus it's not coming home that's why you're saying yeah
0: I am uh, that's, that's what I'm saying we could that's like
1: right. make a, spe- a spectrum that we update
0: based on each match day of is it coming home <laughs> is it yeah, can, <laughs> <we should. laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's probably coming home probably probably but yeah so that's, that's
1: my take what about you I'm going to say it's going to be Italy against England and I think Italy is going to win it Interesting. Simply well, because least... as a team, front to back, I think Italy is the best team in it.
0: So they're playing you know better means, as right? a team
1: versus compared to any other team remaining in the Euros.
0: Well, I mean you know what this means, right? We are both gonna be wrong, it's gonna be Czech Republic versus Sweden. Mark my words alright? <laughs> All right. So. Well that'd be a semifinal. It would N- be Czech N- Republic N- versus um Austria.
1: That's what it's gonna be.
0: That's true. Ah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, alright, my bad. But yeah, hey, let, I mean, let's let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what 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 happens.